God. Amen. Yeah, I saw Chris carry his guitar in, so he's playing your guitar then, I guess. Amen. I saw him carrying his guitar in earlier. You know, uh, Silas and Liz are just moving back into the area. Uh, sometime later on this month, I guess, right, Silas, you'll actually have, you'll actually transfer back over. And uh, uh, so just uh, pray as, well, they're back in the house now. They got most everything ready. Praise God. That's wonderful. Amen. Let me ask you to open your Bible with me, if you would. Open your Bible, if you would, to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, right at the very beginning. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Come out tonight, 7 o'clock tonight. Our evening service will not be at 6. It will not be at 6, and it will not be in the building. It will be at 7 o'clock, and it will be under the tent. Come out to the tent meeting. Uh, God is really meeting with us, and... uh, showing us the goodness of our Savior, uh, showing us the way of salvation. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, blessing, the time that we're able to spend together. Um, I don't want to spend a great deal of time on, the, on introducing uh, this text. As you notice, we are uh, not in uh, 1 Peter. We probably won't be in 1 Peter uh, next week either during the tent meeting. I believe the Lord has some other things. I cannot tell you exactly, I really can't tell you why. I do have some idea, perhaps why, but uh, Brother Rick made reference both Friday and Saturday night that the Lord had had him in a passage um, having to do really more with assurance than anything else. And he wasn't sure why. By the way, if you notice, both of the songs that we sang this morning had to do with assurance also. Now, I don't choose the music. Brother Kenny and, and uh, Jimmy, they choose the music. So, so in other words, God has orchestrated this purposely. God wants to talk about assurance. I don't know if there's one, two, ten, twenty, two hundred. I don't know if that's why, but I do believe that God has something specifically. He was very adamant this week as I was looking into the text uh, for this morning that the specific text has to do with our Lord Jesus Christ having all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in Him. But what I want you to see together this morning is that God wants you to have a full assurance because of the fullness of that's in Christ. So if you'll read with me, starting in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to, I'm just going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm not, I'm not going to try to tarry. I, you know, I comment every Mother's Day that my, my desire, my gift to you is that I wouldn't keep you here so that you'd have to be the last people in the restaurant. Um, but then again, you know, maybe I should just keep you here till 1, and that'll be a gift of its own because then everybody will already be done with the first meal and you'll be coming in... We're not going to do that. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I would have you know what great conflict I have for you and for them that are Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their heart might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Father, bless us as we spend just a couple of minutes together this morning in your word. Lord, this passage speaks about comfort, and it speaks about assurance. 
And Lord, I pray that you would provide your comfort and your assurance. Father, the words of the preacher may, may be satisfactory at noon, but at two and three in the morning, it's going to need to be your word that people find assurance in. It's going to be you that people find comfort in. Lord, I ask you that you would cause each and every one of us right now to turn our hearts and minds away from everything and look at the Lord Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Now this passage begins, verse chapter 2 begins with a, a great conflict. He said, I would have you to know. I would have you to know. I'd have you to have an understanding of the great conflict that I have for you. Now, if you care, the word conflict here seems like an interesting word. You would think that the word would be burden, and it is speaking of burden, but the word conflict is actually greater or more significant than burden. What it actually has the idea behind it, the, the, the idea behind conflict is assembling athletes together for competition or assembling soldiers together for warfare. So here's what you find in this passage, that, that God so loves these people that he has burdened the apostles' heart so that he is, has a multitude of mulling over going in his mind as to how to best be a help to them. Now the reason that, that I believe the Lord would have this focused on, on Mother's Day is this is very much a mother's heart. And the irony is I can actually say I have an understanding of this as a pastor. As a pastor, I have found that I have far more care, far more concern than I did as a father. Now, it doesn't mean that fathers don't care, but what I realize is fathers have a tendency to want to solve things, fix them. Boy, do we, right? You come home and your wife says something. You know, there's, there are all kinds of books that deal with this, by the way. You know, you come home and your wife says she wants to talk about such and such. And all, we're, all I ever would listen for is what's broken that I can fix, right? And what you realize is sometimes she just wants to talk. And I just want to find out what, it, well, what would you like me to do? And this is the answer. I would just like you to listen. I would just like you to listen. And so what happens is in a mother's heart, you know, it, it says that, that Mary, when these things were going on, that she took them all in and considered them. She kept them all in her heart and went over and went over and went over and went over them. And this is what mothers do. Mothers see what's going on in the lives of their children and they go over and over and over in their minds and hearts. How can I best help in this situation? Well, let me tell you the best news possible. God feels that exact way towards us. God, listen, God, by the way, the all-wise God still mulls over in his mind the best way, listen, to reach and to help each and every one of us. And what he, what he wants you to understand is this. In order for you to have what you need, you need to know, honestly, where the fullness is. You need to know where to go. Yes? Now, what we'll see in this passage says this. Looking, so he says, I have this great conflict, wanting you to know this. And here's what he wants for them in verse 2. That their hearts, that their hearts might be comforted. If I asked, if I asked honestly, if I just, if you could do this, you, and it's interesting because without bowing your head and closing your eyes, most people would not feel comfortable saying, I really need my heart to be comforted. Uh, as, as the Lord would have it, toward the end of the week, I had a number of, of um, conversations with people about things that I know 
are not resolved yet because there isn't even time for them to have been resolved yet. And therefore, I know that there are mothers here this morning who need this comfort that God is talking about. And I am quite sure that there are many, many more that I don't know about who need this same comfort. And this is, what, this is the conflict. The conflict in the apostle is a strong desire to speak in such a way that the hearts themselves might be comforted. Now, that their hearts might be comforted, and here, and this might be good news, being knit together in love. One of the ways that God desires for the hearts of the women or the, and the men in the church to be comforted is by one another. Just knitting our hearts together in love. If you care about what someone else is going through, even if you can't solve what they're going through, just the fact that you actually care about it and let them know makes such a tremendous difference. Amen? Honestly, how many of you have ever had someone come and say, you know, Brother Ray Reynoso uh, was sharing with me, he was, when he was in the... Uh, that when he was in the Navy, he was, uh, more than one time, was the uh, cook for the captain of the ship, which is a pretty significant privilege, actually. And he says the captain has no friends. The captain's job is su such a burden on him. He's always making command decisions. He said, and every now and then I would find that the captain and I would be alone. And he said, and I always felt like I, and he said, and I would after a while, after I got to know, I would just walk over and pat him on the shoulder and say, Captain, you're doing a good job. And he said, and it meant so much to him just that I would walk over and pat him. He said, here I was, a young E6, patting the captain on, you know, captain, a full captain on the shoulder and saying, Captain, you're doing a good job. But how many of us, how many of us have been comforted by us being knitted together in love? How, how often does it matter to you that someone that you respect, someone that you care about, someone whose opinion you care about would come to you and see, say, I, I, I have seen on your face or I, have, or I have heard from your spouse some difficulty that you're going through and I just want you to know I love you, I'm praying for you, and more importantly, I'm there if you need anything. Amen? Now, young Christians have a tendency to do this. We have a tendency to go tell people what they need. I see you're going through a difficult time. Well, don't worry, because I've come today to solve that for you. Amen? But I believe, better, I believe a better approach is this. My heart is knit with yours. I care. If I can help, I would be glad to help. If there's anything that I can do, I would be glad to do so. And by the way, a God wants to use vessels unto honor to pour out his love to our brothers and sisters. Amen? God understands that the human touch that is needed in our lives, he can provide through his children one to another. And thank God for that. He can send a, a guy by to another guy and say, and it's really interesting, you can be all manly about it if you want to. Punch him in the shoulder, brother. I'm there for you. I just want to know that. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get a little emotional, just make sure nobody's looking when you do it. Amen? But I'm there for you, brother. I just want you to know that I'm there for you. And, of course, the ladies, you guys can just stand in the hallway and cry, and everybody's okay with it. You know? You can just stand there in the hallway, and you know, I, don't understand, I don't understand this part of it, but you can just stand there and say, oh, I'm there. You know, I, but it matters. It matters. Listen, listen. What God wants in a local church is that we are able to love one another this way. 
that we are able to openly talk with one another about things that are deep and difficult because we understand that God knows about the conflict, God knows about the difficulty, and He wants to provide, we see it very clearly, He wants to provide this love, that their hearts may be comforted being knit together in love, and here's the thing, and undo. Now this word all, if you start taking the word all, go through the book of Colossians and find the word all. Find all the alls. And what you'll realize is, wow, there's an awful lot of alls in this book. And now, let me say this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this for a moment. We have a terrible tendency, we, people, have a terrible tendency to use absolutes incorrectly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's one. You always do that. That's not really true. They do many other things that you don't like. They don't always do that. They always do other things, too. Do you understand? You always do that. We use absolutes. We use absolutes in a way, listen, that's inappropriate. So when we read them in the Bible, they lose their significance. When God uses the word all, guess what he means? All. As an absolute. If he didn't mean all as an absolute, he would use the word some. And he does use the word some. But when he says all, guess what? He means all. And what you'll notice, and even in the passages that we're about to look at together, for just a brief moment, just notice the word all. That their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid, what? All the treasures of of wisdom and knowledge. Now, let me say this. One of the primary reasons that people come to see the pastor is this. Pastor, I need to make a decision or I need some counsel. Would you help me? Basically, would you help me to have wisdom in this matter? And the pastor is glad to help with that. But what we're going to do is open the Bible because this is where the wisdom is. Do you understand? This is where, where, how much of it, by the way? All of it. All of the wisdom that you will, listen, hear me, please hear me. I know this sounds like the right thing for me to say, but I'm telling you this couldn't be more true. All of the wisdom that you will ever need in every matter is in this book. All of it. All of it. And you can go to God himself personally and ask him, and he will show you. Now, you say, but I don't know where where to read. One, spend more time reading, and you will. Spend more time in your Bible and you will begin to know where to read. Two, talk to the author anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you think you know where to read, talk to the author and have him show you what the need is here. That's what it says. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So God wants you to have, you might want to just underline this, full assurance. He wants you to have full assurance because of all the riches and all the wisdom that God has, this is what God wants for you to have. Now, turning back just a little bit before this to verse 12 of uh, chapter 1. Verse 12 of chapter 1. And I have to read the passage. I find there's more power in the passage than there's going to be in the preaching that follows it. I, I think it's important that we see what the passage says. So I'm going to read an extended passage. I'm not going to make too much comment on it, but I want you to see it in this context. Giving thanks... Under the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Here's the good news. You know, there's a, there's a hymn that we sing. I'm not worthy to be here, but praise God, I belong. Why do I belong? Because God has made it fit, made us meet to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints 
in light. It is, listen, boy, hear me. Everything that God wants for you, he has earned for you. Let me say that again. Everything that God wants for you, he has earned for you. He has earned it for you. Listen, it is a gift. You, you do not have to try to keep it, and you cannot earn it. You must trust God at his word. Now, this is for those who are in Christ, and we'll see this. He made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who have delivered us, God himself, has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, how precious the son is. I, honestly, I would stand here, just sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon and, and help you to understand, this is my beloved son, says the father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to me, listen. Stop trying to please God with your efforts. Instead, please God with your faith in his efforts instead. Do you understand? And by the way, that is not a small thing. That is all the difference in the world. If you will trust God at what Christ has done for you, he wants to bountifully give you all of the things that you need in your life. This is what he says. He has, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Now, i got to stop here for just a moment. There is nothing in your life, nothing, that Jesus doesn't have full power over. Nothing, nothing. All things, listen, all things biological, all things biological, Jesus has full power over. All things psychological, Jesus has full power over. All things spiritual, Jesus has full power over. All things natural, Jesus has full power over. All things financial, Jesus has full power over all of them. Let me read it again. For by him, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, which I don't even understand, that are in earth, which is literally everything I just talked about, visible, which are things that are tangible, that you can see and touch, and invisible, which are things that are behind those things, whether they be thrones. Now, just think about what we're talking about. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. It doesn't matter. If you trust Christ, nothing else matters. Because whatever it is, whatever this great big thing is, guess who's behind that great big thing? Do you understand? Whatever it is that's too big for you to take, whatever it is that's too great and causes you anxiety, instead of being anxious about it, talk to the one that's behind it. Do you understand what I'm saying? One who has power and authority. What it says is this. All things were created not only by him, but what's it say? For him. They're in his hands. To do with as he wishes, to do with as he desires. So speak to him concerning these things. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And... 
having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile what? All things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in, or things in heaven. Now, by the way, in my Bible, I've already put a box around all the alls, and I can't tell you how many alls I just had to read to get through that passage. And, and, my, and, and because they stand, they actually stand out in my Bible. I made them stand out on purpose. They're actually a little distracting the way I did it um, when I'm reading through it like this. What I want you to see is this. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Let me, let me stop for just a moment. If you read, if you're, if you're willing to read, and, and I might have just lost most people right there, but if you're willing to read sermons that, that were done a long time ago, you should read the sermon by Spurgeon talking about this very verse. It's this verse. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. It pleased the Father that in him. Now, by the way, the other day we had a um, flea market. And it was, it was actually very, very warm. You guys remember how hot it was that day? And we set up all of these canopies, canopies, uh, what is that what you call it? Canopy, right? Like, not a tent, but just, 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 just as the top of it, you know, those 10 by 10, 10 by 20. And so we set things underneath those. And so here's the thing. We bought some new ones for the church for this function because we needed like four of them for this function. So we bought a couple of new ones. And let me say this. So here's what happens. When you buy a canopy or a tent or even like a volleyball net, they come in a box, right? And they come with a bag, typically. By the way, when you open the box, the stuff's not in the bag usually, right? And so they give you a bag. And the idea is when you're done, you can take all these things that were in the box and put it in the bag. That's the theory anyway, right? <laughs> and yet you start putting the thing in the bag and you're like, it didn't fit. So you take it, right, right, so who was it? Somebody was doing this, Gary, you, we were, we, so we took it out, we rolled it out again, we folded it up. Uh, somebody kept saying, no, no, fold it this way, no, no, fold it this way. There was like four men saying, no, no, fold it this way. So we're folding it this way and that way and folding it, and it still won't go in the bag. And, and listen, we did, by the way, we got it in the bag, we got, we got it in the bag. I was going to go buy another bag. I was just going to say, well, let's just go buy some extra bags, and then we'll just, we'll just put them together and say, there's two bags for this set, and there's two bags for this set. But the reason, no, I, I didn't say all that just to be funny. The reason I said this, it says, it says in this passage, for it pleased the Father that in him should all, the fullness all by itself is fullness, right? That all fullness should dwell in your Lord Jesus. All fullness dwells in your Lord Jesus. Later on, in the, next, in the next chapter, if you want to uh, um, look in, in chapter 2, verse uh, 9, just for a moment, just turn there, because it says it again there. I, I just want you to see this. It says in verse 9, let's read, let's read verses 6 through 9, because I think it will help you to see it in its context. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up, your established and your growing up is in him, right? Not in the church, by the way. Not in being a Baptist, but in Christ himself. Rooted and built up in him. And established in the faith. And that faith is in him. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ, because... For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now listen, I got, I'm going to be honest with you. 
That's beyond my understanding. All the fullness of the Godhead. You know, there's a passage that says that you can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You can see, isn't that amazing? You want to, listen, do you want to see the glory of God? Look at the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's un, honestly, honestly, it is unfathomable. It is beyond my ability to reach the bottom of it is the idea what I mean by that. What I mean is you can drop, you can drop something on a, on a rope and run out of rope before it touches the bottom. This is so wonderfully deep, and yet our understanding of it is so horribly shallow. And because our understanding is shallow, the power that it has in our lives is weak. But God intends that we would understand, don't be, listen, boy, I tell you, it really, it, it makes me so frustrated. The average Christian will walk into a quote-unquote Christian bookstore and buy a dozen how-to books. Instead of turning to Christ, where all the wisdom, we already saw, all the wisdom is, where all the assurance is, and where all the fullness of the Godhead bodily is. This, this is what God wants to convince you of. He wants to convict you of. He wants every time that you turn to a far weaker, lesser thing to say to you, take your eyes off of that and look at my son instead. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, more importantly, he's telling you everything that you need is in my son. Everything that you need is in my son. Now, turning back, uh, turning back to, the, uh, to chapter number uh, one, chapter number one, and we're almost done. Turning back to chapter number one. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now listen, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be in earth, excuse me, whether they be in earth or things in heaven. Now here's the, here's the wonderful truth. Are you reconciled? Are you reconciled? Have you, listen, are you bought by the blood? And most, you know, we, we've had a, a, you know, a week of meeting. A couple of nights ago, Brother Rick uh, preached a message of assurance, two nights ago. And at the end of it, I asked everybody to bow their head and close their eyes, and I said, if the, if the sermon, and I'll tell you, it was a, it was a powerful, hard-hitting truth. Are these things true in your life or not? And the, answer, and the question was, if you're here this evening and the sermon you just heard confirmed, confirmed to you, assured to you your salvation in Christ, that, you, that all of your sins are under the blood, that you are forgiven and that you are a new creature, would you raise your hand and literally the entire room raise their hand? Un tremendous encouragement to, to me as a pastor because it wasn't one of those things where it was where it was pretty smiles and happy statements and oh if you like a little bit of this would you raise your hand it was is this the reality of your life or not it's very much like what we're looking together on sunday mornings within the reality epistles is this the re because god does not want you to have a counterfeit christianity but listen and, I'm, and i'll be done i think I think many Christians have real Christianity, but they have a very weak relationship. They have, a, they have real Christianity, but be, listen, and this, there's only one reason for this to be true. It says that every one of us is drawn away of our own lust and enticed. 
So the reason for the weakness in our lives is this. I'd rather have this than a full relationship with Jesus. I'd rather have this stuff. I'd rather play over here than have a real relationship with Christ. And here's what happens. Because the rain comes and beats on every house, when you're living over here and playing with all of these things that God doesn't want you to play with, when the difficulty comes, your confidence is in your things and not in your Christ. There, uh, there's a hymn. Uh, I, I keep crediting Fanny Crosby. Kenny will tell me later whether I'm right or not. He can tell me now if he, if he knows already. It says, um, Oh, what peace. I, I, I've said it a couple times here recently. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Be, and listen, why don't we... How, how many of you have been driving down the road recently, mulling over difficult things? How many of you have been driving down the road recently, chewing over difficult things in your mind? Got to make some kind of an important decision. Raise your hand up nice and high. All right, that's, that's a lot. And, and by the way, I might have to raise my hand for this. The other day I was doing this, and the Lord said to me, why don't you talk to me about it? Right? Listen, let me, let me ask you this question. How much more work is it to pray to God than to sit there and think to yourself? And the answer is, it's no more work. It's just a matter of where you direct your thoughts. Do you understand? So here's the thing. You can either have your brilliance mulling over all of these things in your mind, or you can talk to the one who has all fullness about these things. Which do you suppose is a better idea? Yes? Right? Right? Now let me ask you this. How, how long before the next time, uh, this is what I believe God wants to change. This is what I believe God wants to change this morning. The next time you are mulling over something driving down the road, instead of doing that, turn and talk to God about it instead. Turn and talk to God. Talk out loud. Tell him. And by the way, if what you have to say is this, I'm anxious about this. I know I shouldn't be anxious about this, but I'm anxious. I'm confused. I'm angry. Whatever it is, talk to God about it instead. Because that's where the fullness is. And, and when you can stop your car, now if you can listen to the Bible in your car, and many of you can, listen to the Bible in your car so that God can talk back to you. So that the Word of God can dwell in you richly so that God the Holy Spirit can answer those questions with the Word of God, which is where the answers come from. Right? We talked about that at the very beginning. Now the last thing I want you to see this morning is toward the end of this chapter. It's in verses 27 through 29. Colossians chapter 1, 27, last three verses, and we'll be done. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Now what you see here is this, and it's at the end of verse 27. Take your pen out and underline this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because what I want you to see, the last thing I want you to see, the first thing we saw together was this. You can have fullness of assurance. God wants you to have full assurance. Why? Because the fullness is in Jesus Christ. Yes, full assurance because of the fullness in Christ. But here's the really good news. Christ is what? In you. You don't have to go climb a mountaintop to talk to him about this. 
You don't have to go to, you don't have to come to this building. You know, there's still people, and I know it makes sense, but there are still people in America, they come here every now and then. I've had people come here to the church in the middle of the week who don't know God and say, preacher, preacher, they call you preacher, or sometimes father, could I come in, could I come in and pray to God? And my answer is, you can come in and pray to God. You can come in and we can talk afterwards if you like to. But then I will say this, but you don't have to come in to pray to God. You're welcome. I don't want them to think that I don't want them to come in the building. That's not the point. What I want them to understand is God doesn't meet with you in the building. God meets with you in the heart. That's what he wants you to understand. So here's the thing. This morning, and we'll be done. What God wants, this is what God wants you to have. All of us, each and every one of us. But I really believe specifically someone or someones, God wants you to have this very truth from Colossians. One, you can have full assurance because the fullness is in the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ is in you. And that is the expectation, right? Not wish, not desire. The word hope means expectation. That is the expectation. Listen of glorious things in your life. Christ is in you. Father, thank you for your word this morning.